Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, a partner with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. On the program, we span the globe with updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we're connecting with one of our members in California. Joining us on the program is Dan Handman, partner at Hirschfeld Kramer. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Tara. Thank you. So Dan is going to be discussing the issue of Congress recently enacting a new law banning forced arbitration of sexual harassment and sexual assault claims. Dan, let's start here. What can you tell us about this new law? Thanks, Tara, and thanks for having me on. This was a really interesting law that made it through Congress. Anyone who has followed the path of law dealing with arbitration agreements, the law has been pretty one-sided in favor of arbitration for a good amount of time now, probably 20 or 25 years. The Supreme Court has been very much in favor of arbitration, and, and Congress has done nothing to amend the big law, which is called the Federal Arbitration Act, which deals with arbitration. So the fact that Congress, first of all, the fact that Congress agreed on anything is a small miracle, but the fact that Congress agreed on something that would curtail arbitration was a huge deal and caught many people by surprise, especially the margins that it passed Congress by. And that, I think, is what's so surprising about this new law, that it had such incredible bipartisan support. Why do you think that is? You know, I think the the truth of the matter is, is that the Congress had to strike a balance between two competing interests. On the one hand, they wanted to please the business community, the business community that, of course, is very much in favor of arbitration. But on the other hand, there's this countervailing force with the Me Too movement. And the Me Too movement clearly from this law, if this law is any evidence of anything, it's that the Me Too movement has legs. I mean, it really does. It is holding up and it is not going away. It is the type of thing which we're going to see. And I think we're going to see things like this, maybe not necessarily with arbitration per se, but we're going to see very Me Too friendly laws come out of Congress in upcoming years and also on the state level as well. So, Dan, what types of claims are covered under this new law? So what this law does, so let's back up for a second. There's a law that dates back about 100 years called the Federal Arbitration Act. The Federal Arbitration Act, among other things, it says that as a matter of federal policy, whether you're in state court or you're in federal court, as a matter of federal policy, we favor the enforcement of arbitration agreements. And you courts around the country cannot single out arbitration agreements for different treatment than they do other contracts. And that's the law that the Supreme Court especially has interpreted in a way that's very, very friendly to businesses and to arbitration in general. What this law does is it exempts from mandatory arbitration agreements any claims related to sexual assault or sexual harassment, whether they're being to be arbitrated on an individual level, meaning one person against the company, or whether they're seeking arbitration on a class-wide level, meaning more than one plaintiff. So what this law does is it says, yes, there is a strong presumption in favor of enforcing arbitration agreements in the United States, but we're going to cut out from that 
any arbitration agreement that deals with sexual assault or sexual harassment. So this looks like a pretty broad law. In your opinion, is there any way now to force or require employees to arbitrate a harassment claim under the law? Yeah. So the key word from your question, Tara, is force. And actually, I mean, the law, the title of the law, which is a a bit of a mouthful, says it all. The title is Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act. So that's the key. You cannot, under this law, you cannot force employees anymore to arbitrate sexual assault and sexual harassment claims. Theoretically, someone could agree voluntarily to arbitrate a sexual harassment claim, but I think it's very unlikely that any plaintiff's lawyer or any plaintiff would want to do that. And the reason why is this, a sexual harassment claim, unlike many other types of claims, is very emotionally charged. There are claims that where you're guaranteed a jury, a jury in all likelihood is going to be at least half female. So there are going to be other females on the jury who have potentially dealt with them or, or who know others who have. And what I always say when we're doing training is sexual harassment is the kind of thing that relates very easily to a jury. Juries understand it. And that's because everyone has a woman in their life. They have a wife, they have a mother, they have a sister, they have an aunt. And so it's the type of claim where in front of a jury, you could very easily say, could you imagine if this happened to your wife or your sister or your mother? Because of that, I think it's very unlikely that any plaintiff or plaintiff's lawyer, certainly anyone worth their medal, would ever voluntarily agree to arbitrate such a claim. But I suppose it's possible, but I would say very unlikely. And so on that point, is this act going to apply to claims that have already occurred or been made? Or is it only going to apply to claims that might arise prospectively? I believe it's from the passage of the law going forward. You know, if there's a claim that's already in arbitration, I don't see that being sent back to a court because of this. Generally, laws apply prospectively forward-looking and not retrospectively backwards-looking. And what's your sense on whether this is going to be held up judicially? Do you foresee any judicial challenges to this law? I would say this. Do I foresee challenges? Sure. I'm sure there will be challenges to this law, the same way there are challenges to just about any law that is passed by Congress these days. I don't think they're going to meet with a lot of success. And the reason why is this. In the past, when Congress has struck down mostly state laws dealing with arbitration, they have relied on the Federal Arbitration Act itself to say that it preempts, that's the legal term, it preempts the state law. The federal law is supreme. It trumps the state law. So the reason why these claims are going to, I think, are going to meet a different fate than all of the other state claims that have come up in the Supreme Court in the last 20 years or so is that this is actually a law passed by Congress that carves out an exception to the Federal Arbitration Act. So That's the big difference. This isn't a court-made law or a state-made law. This is a law that was actually passed by Congress and that amends the Federal Arbitration Act. So I think the challenges will be, largely will be unsuccessful. So Dan, you and I are both employment lawyers, and obviously we work with a lot of clients who are interested in arbitration and now wondering whether it's still worth it to have arbitration agreements within the employment context. What are your thoughts on that? My answer to that question every day of the week is going to be absolutely it is. This is one type of claim that is excluded from 
the possibility of forced arbitration. But having said that, and this is especially true here in California, there is an epidemic of class and collective actions, particularly on the wage hour front, where in California, for example, there are a lot of very, very specific regulations of the workplace, and the courts have made it very, very easy to bring them as a class action or under a law in California that's called PAGA, P-A-G-A, as a collective action. The Supreme Court ruled several years ago, about 10 years ago, that you could compel arbitration of a wage and hour class action and that you could require that the arbitration be done on an individual basis. So we call those class action waivers. Class action waivers are enforceable and the Supreme Court has decided it and I don't think it's likely to change its mind anytime in the near future. To me, if you're asking me what are the kinds of claims that keep me up at night, that's easily in my top two or three. And you can keep class actions and potentially soon, because there's a case pending in the United States Supreme Court right now, uh, potentially also those PAGA claims here in California, there is a good possibility that you can keep them from being litigated on a collective or class basis. So this new law strikes me as a response in part to the Me Too movement. And obviously we have other social justice issues that continue to be paramount and are now impacting the employment context in many ways. Do you foresee Congress barring arbitration of other types of claims within the employment context? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. You know, about five years ago, I went to a conference of employment lawyers and one of the one of the lawyers from a very, very big firm in New York City was saying how his clients on their boards were starting to form special select committees of the boards to deal with Me Too movements. And his point was, you know, what what's next? When is it going to be racial discrimination or disability discrimination or discrimination based on sexual orientation or, or, or gender identity? When are those going to be important enough that corporations will start forming special committees to deal with those? And I think the same analogy and the same thought experiment could be applied here. I mean, what's next? I mean, obviously, issues of racial diversity and racial discrimination are talked about a tremendous amount everywhere. It's hard to avoid conversations of that. Is that going to be next? Is there going to be another law that says, we ban arbitration of race discrimination or race harassment claims. Is there enough critical mass to do something like that with disability claims or age claims or, or some other type of claim, gender identity or sexual orientation? Who knows? I mean, but it's a really interesting question. What happens next? And, you know, I think that what I suspect, and I'm not a political junkie, but, you know, what I suspect is that Me Too issues are so in and of themselves, such a hot button issue that you don't want to be seen as the elected official doing something that is perceived as hindering the ability to root out sexual harassment or sexual assault. I think it has reached a critical mass. It's reached a tipping point that these types of exceptions will continue to be made for those types of claims. Whether that happens with other types of claims remains to be seen, but I would definitely keep my ears to the pavement on that. Well, Dan, we've covered a lot of ground today. Any other final thoughts or recommendations on next steps for employers in light of this new act? Yeah, I mean, I think 
number one, you need to definitely look at your arbitration agreements again and see if they pass muster under this law or if they somehow need to be modified somehow. To me, that's the, the single most important thing. But I absolutely, and I can't stress this enough, I absolutely would not take the position that, well, now we have to think about whether we really want to compel arbitration of other types of claims. Even if it is just for a class action waiver in a wage and hour context, I would say it's, it's absolutely critical in my view to keep an agreement like that in place. Well, Dan, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Tara. It's good speaking with you. You too. If you'd like to connect with Dan Handman, please click on his name in the podcast description. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. You can also look through our upcoming and on-demand webinars, download articles and white papers, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks so much for listening.